readers, writers, listeners, welcome. This is the Page Turners Podcast, and I am your host, Miranda, an avid reader, a published author, and a longtime listener of podcasts. This is the Page Turners Podcast, Season 2, Episode 15. Well, welcome to the final episode of Season 2 of the Page Turners Podcast. It has been truly an honor to host this season while serving as Miss South Dakota and preparing for Miss America. In fact, as this episode drops, I am boarding my flight to Orlando, Florida for the Miss America competition, so wish me luck! <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to not only this show, but also kind of my journey and for supporting not only my journey to Miss South Dakota, but now this journey to Miss America. What a blessing these last two seasons have been. So here we go. Let's wrap up season two with an incredible conversation with a librarian who's not only helping kids have access to books, He's opening up the conversation around representation and helping people rediscover the importance of public libraries. I'm so excited to introduce you to the head library kid himself, Michael Threets. Yeah, I am a librarian. I'm a librarian for a public library um, who is um, who's chronically online. I am on all all forms of social media on uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. I still call it Twitter. Um, <laughs> Don't even, we all? And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and even threads now. I've been I've been a librarian for Sloan County Library, which is in Northern California, for the past ten years. Come to this November, I'll be celebrating my ten year anniversary. As a library worker, um, and I'm currently the supervising librarian for the library that I talk about all the time on social media. That's amazing. Well, happy early anniversary. And maybe by the time this episode comes out, it will be your anniversary. So happy anniversary to you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So where in California? I have family from uh, California, so I'm always interested. So it, it always depends on where, which which cities you know in um, California. So Vallejo is one of the cities that my library system is a part of. Um, so basically, I like to tell people if they don't know about California, about um, California, about Northern California, mm -hmm. I'm I'm right between San Francisco and Sacramento. I'm about forty five minutes from each of them. So my family lives in Sonoma. So okay. right in the same area. <laughs> Very close. Yes, yes. And that's why I ask because, yeah, if it's Southern California or much more Northern California, <laughs> I'm not going to know it. But if it's in kind of the general Bay Area, yeah. I've probably either been there or have seen the sign for it when we go to visit. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I live in Fairfield, which is where the, uh, the Jelly Belly factory is. Yes, been there a handful of times as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, as much as I would love to just keep talking about California, because I do love it. It's one of my favorite places to visit. Um, and shout out to my cousins and my aunt and uncle who live there. But I want to know a little bit more about you as a librarian. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to pursue this for almost a decade. Yeah, so I always I always tell people it's not even though I'm a true I'm a true library kid. Um, I I never knew that libraries would become become my future. It was never something I saw myself doing. Um, but libraries have been a part of my life um, ever since I can remember. Um, I was a homeschool kid, so I'm pretty sure that I've been going to the library since I was probably one years old. Um, <laughs> is when my mom started taking me 
Um, I was telling someone the other day that I got my, I've always known that I got my first library card at the age of five, mm. um, but I didn't realize why. And I think my mom heard me talking, talking about it with somebody. And she was like, we only got your library card at the age of five um, because I was checking out so many books that we needed an extra library card so we could take out more books. So she only got me a library card so that we could increase the amount of picture books and other books that we were taking. Um, and that library, then that library where I got my first library card is a library where I currently work for, where I currently supervise. Um, it's also where I got my first library uh, library job. Um, so really, it just it's, it's always been a part of who I am. I mean, growing up, I never I never saw someone sitting behind the desk who looked who looked like me. Um, so I don't remember consciously being like, oh, that's not that's not for me. I can never do that. Um, it just never dawned on me that someone like me could work for the library. Um, and then fast forward several years down the line after trying various um, various careers, considering different things. Um, I think I was in, the, in a particularly dark, particularly dark place. And I was just sitting in the uh, Fairfield Cordelia Library's chairs. And for whatever reason, I just asked the person at the front desk how you can how you can become a librarian, how you work for the library. At, the at that time, I didn't realize that there was other jobs besides librarian, that everyone's library is not a librarian. Mm -hmm. um, she could kind of see that I was about to ask that. And she'd already pulled up the site to help me apply. Oh, I love um, that. Applied. Yeah, I applied. Um, a few, a few, a few months later, I heard back. I got the job. Um, then I did. I was a shelver for a couple of years. Kept on applying for promotions, and then I think after I got the first promotion, I was like, "Oh, this is a lot. This is a lot of fun. This is pretty cool. Uh, maybe if I get this job, maybe it's a, it's a thing that I want to do." Um, and then I did end up getting that job. Kept on, kept on getting more. Kept on getting more promotions just from from sheer um, kindness <laughs> by the people I people I work for. Got my degrees, got my bachelor's of communication um, from University of Phoenix, and then I got my master's degree in library and information science from San Jose State University. Um, became a children's librarian for about uh, two, three years, and then became a marketing librarian, working on social media and the website and various forms of outreach um, during the height of the pandemic. Um, and then, since January of this year, I've been a supervising librarian um, for the Fairfield Civic Center Library, the library that I grew up in. That's incredible. Your story <laughs> reminds me of Matilda, actually, kind of the, <laughs> Very you know, that opening of Matilda of just needing to be at the library, especially mm -hmm. at that young age and and needing to kind of take those books home and getting the library card so young. That was kind of one of the first things I thought of. I think that's incredible. Exactly. I mean, I, rem I remember like running inside the library, always going and picking up my holds. Um, my library would do like the pet parade. I, I always remember taking my bringing my cat to the pet parade. Um, I thought that she was so special when they gave her a ribbon. I didn't realize that they gave every single kid um, a, a ribbon too. Um, I just thought my cat was special because they gave us all different <laughs> color, colored ribbons because kids are kids and kids like to mm -hmm. like to, uh, like to to win, but they don't realize um, <laughs> that multiple kids also, also won. That's one of my most treasured library memories. Um, yeah, it was just so special. I, I remember discovering the self-checkout for the first time just everything, thinking, thinking that I could literally read every single book in the kids section. So yeah, it was very, Matilda is definitely a character that I relate to. <laughs> I love that. Actually, I gotta, if he doesn't run away from me. So this is my baby. This is Jericho. <laughs> um, the only reason, usually he makes an appearance by walking across the screen. Sure. But the reason I pick him up, I think you might enjoy this. I actually just published my first children's book and it is all wow. Jericho. So I think it is so cool that they did a pet parade and and that your library yeah. is that. So I, that's incredible. I, I love that idea. 
Congratulations on your book. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's been very exciting. Um, you know, you mentioned, and I want to get into this more and, and we may kind of bounce around a little bit, but you said that growing up, you didn't see someone like you behind the desk at the library. Can you talk a yeah. little bit more about that? Because I think representation, and, and I see that in your social media, that representation is an important factor for us to focus on in terms of literacy. So talk a little bit more about that, if you will. Yeah, I, I think I like to I, I like to talk about like sm small things and how, like you said, how impactful that can be and how much it matters. Um, and for me, I think it was just it was a time where there were basically just like I don't think I saw a lot of librarians who looked like the stereotypical librarians that people think of today. But it was definitely all like older, older, middle aged white ladies sitting at the desk, um, people wearing cardigans, um, which there's nothing wrong with. I wear cardigans when it's cold. Um, Absolutely, I'm, I'm definitely a librarian by that by that mold. But just yeah, I, I never saw. Um, it wasn't even that I, that I never saw saw a man behind the library desk, which I never did. Mm -hmm. um, it's just I never knowingly saw a person of color. Mm -hmm. um, behind the front behind the front desk um, and you said you have some family in California for for where I'm at it's one of the most diverse counties um, in the United States it's been that way for um, for decades that it's it's it is one of the most diverse places in the United States and even for me growing up um, in the 90s I'm born born 1990 there still was not um, various library workers of color um, let alone there being um, being men behind the desk uh, whereas now is something that we're still working to working towards, especially um, in leadership to have um, people of color um, in la in those library roles. But we are much, much more, di much more diverse now. If you go into like my library, the Fairfield Civic Center Library, you'll see people, uh, you'll see all sorts of people. You'll see um, there's a there's the, my children's librarian is, is black. Um, she's a black woman. Um, she's also covered, covered in tattoos. Um, there's multiple library workers who have a whole bunch of piercings. I love it. Um, there's <laughs> someone from our from our IT department has some uh, big old gauges in his his ears. He just looks like a like a like a rock star type type of a guy. Mm -hmm. um, multiple people. One of my one of my one of my greatest library friends always had um, just bright pink hair. Whenever she would work, there's people who have green hair, um, purple hair. Um, there's people, there's, much, there's many more people who speak Spanish. I don't, I wish I did. Um, but to get to the, to the um, point of your question, I think it, it definitely is something that, that something that does matter just to simply see yourself. And it wasn't like something where like, I was like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. But just the fact that there wasn't people that looked like me, that there wasn't even a single person of color. It was literally a, like, it was never even a consideration in my mind. That that's something that they can become. Um, and even for me, like, even though like the library world is not a perfect place to work, it's very hard. It gets, it can be very stressful to become, to be a supervisor, to be a library worker mm -hmm. at all. Um, I'm proud to be a, to be the black supervising librarian at my library, even though I don't, even though, unless you read my badge, you don't, you don't know that I'm a supervisor. You think I'm just working there. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, I think it's super cool that there are kids who can see me, um, sitting behind the desk and they can say, oh, maybe I can do this. Like I've had multiple kids say, Hey, I didn't know that you could be black. And work at the library um right and now you can be brown and work at the library um so yeah. that's like what i mean is like, i mean at first like first first instance you're like oh that's sad um but then but then you but then you like transfer it and you're like oh but that's actually meaningful because they're not looking at it negatively they're like wow that's cool he looks like me he has wild crazy hair just like <laughs> i do that's awesome maybe i could also do this one day with me just as I am. And then that's what I'm always trying to support. And that's like what my awesome library team is always supporting is that people can come into the library one, just to come in, 
mm-hmm. just as you are, be who be who you are, um, and maybe creating that environment of belonging, of appreciating you for who you are, means that they may love it so much that eventually they'll want to join us behind the desk instead of in front of the desk. That just gives me chills, Michael. I I love that so deeply. You know, I. I personally did not have that where I didn't see someone who looked like Mm. me, you know, behind the desk at the library. In fact, my grandma was like our school librarian growing up. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'm from a really small town. So it's, you say, well, but for us, town of a thousand people, pretty common. My mom was also a teacher. (laughs) Um, But I just think that is so impactful. And I love you talking about that because the importance of of literacy and of reading, you know, I, I have three main pillars, representation being one of them. And oftentimes, because I'm talking with authors, we talk about representation in terms of within a book, within media, being able to see that. But that physical representation, physically coming into the library and seeing, you know, people of color, people with tattoos and I just think that that is incredible. I think that is something that we can transfer into all areas of life, not just behind the library desk. I'm I'm chills. I love that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I need, I mean, I would be remiss if we did not talk about you as the social media sensation TikToker that you are, <laughs> because that's how I found you. I, I had mentioned before we hit record that like four people sent me one of your videos within like five minutes, all, you know, on the same day. And I'm sad I didn't discover you first because I would have wanted you on the podcast regardless. But I loved that people were like, look at what this guy is doing. You need to have him on the show. So talk about, you know, this book kind of blowing up on social media. What has that been like? And how have you been able to, you know, spread your passion for reading and the importance of it? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I've been like I said, I, I'm I think I, when I first introduced myself, I'm a chron- I'm a chronically online person. Um, I've been I've been doing social media um, for myself since the MySpace days. Um, <laughs> Throw I, I remember I remember getting in trouble. For, I was thinking I was 13 when I first uh, like found MySpace, and I remember um, getting in trouble because at that time social media was still seen as just like another version of chat rooms. Mm-hmm. My parents it's not safe don't do it but I was a rebellious teenager and I was like it's where everybody's at I gotta do it I've gotta learn my basic html coding I've gotta <laughs> put my song on my profile so I, I love social media for so long so I've been I've been like involved with social media for 20 years so like whenever people ask me the question that you just you just said I'm like it's it's wild to me because I've been on social media for so long I've loved what people do on social media that I never saw my own social media um, taking off, um, let alone library social media. I mean, I've always, I've always thought it was, um, I've always thought libraries were libraries were cool. But I'm a self self acclaimed um, library nerd, so I know the libraries are not the cool, the cool things. I think that's they what's taken me by surprise. This is like, I mean, I, I started, I started like sharing of the stories that everybody seems to connect with. Um, about five years ago, when I became a children's librarian, when I started going to, when I started doing story time every single week, started going to sites. Um, and I like to call the kids that came across the little unhinged library kids because they were just fully unhinged, all chaos, just telling me all their wild stories. Um, my favorite thing I tell, think I've said in every single conversation is that there's a shocking amount of times I found out um, that kids, um, the kids' moms are pregnant because um, they're just like, 
I have a secret for you. And then their mom, <laughs> you aren't supposed to tell anybody else that you're going to have a little brother, little sister, but he asked you a question. You don't even know what questions are. You just been dying to tell somebody else. Um, and that just the stories that they would tell me every single time. And that's when I first started like sharing the stories. I didn't do it through videos at the time. Um, I would just like post like the transcript with my little like antidotes um, to uh, to my Facebook wall. And just people seemed to connect with it. And I was like, yeah, it made, it made me happy. It made me laugh. Maybe it'll make them do it too. Um, and then fast forward a few years, I was in I was in marketing, so I was kind of like behind the scenes of libraries, didn't get up and close and personal with the stories as much. Um, and then ever since January, when I got to become a supervising librarian again, because public libraries kind of like switch around the desk from adult desk, uh, main front information desk to children's desk, I've been working at the children's desk a lot. Um, and I found the library kids remain unhinged as they've always been. <laughs> um, and that's when I discovered, that's when I just started sharing all those stories. I think it first started, um, I don't remember, I honestly don't remember why I all of a sudden switched to doing videos. Um, I think the first video that took off is a one about the kid who asked if I was a boy librarian or a girl librarian. Because um, I was wearing, I was wearing a mask at the time. So all she just sees is, the, is my frizzy puffy hair as it is just now um the kid just whispers to the mom to the mom or well, i assume as a mom the caregiver the grown-up just goes oh, is it a, is, he, is he i don't remember if it's a he or what but is it is it a boy librarian i <laughs> mean um, you could you could just see the mom's like eyes light up like oh no how is this librarian gonna react and i'm just like i'm it happens all the time there's so many times where people like even even adults have come to me the desk and said oh thank you ma'am just Again, the representation just autopilot. Just women work at the library, and I'm just like, yeah, it's happened more to, more times than you can than you can imagine. Um, so that was the first story that took off. I think I was just like, oh, this this is just great. I haven't I haven't seen this kind of kids being this funny in a while. Um, <laughs> shared, I think I shared. I think I thought like at, the, at that time I was like, I, I think I, I was happy to get about. I was I was happy to get a thousand a thousand views at that time. I was like, oh maybe this one will crack, crack 500. Um, and I, I think, I think a million people have seen, have seen that video. Um, and then I just, I just, I just continued just to continue to share it. Um, and I always, I always tell people that it's just, I'm literally doing, I'm just taking advantage of all the great work that my fellow library workers do. I just see, I just see kids. I see people having fun in the library. I've, um, I was right. I was a, I was a shy kid growing up very quiet so I've always been an observer so that's what I do at the library just to make people safe and also connect with people um, and it's led to me getting some some great stories that I love and that other people love too uh, and then to answer the, the rest of your question um, it's been quite quite wild um, <laughs> I don't I don't I'm not a big fan of all the attention personally but I love what it's meant for libraries mm -hmm. um, I, lo I love the countless people who message me that they've gotten a library card. Um, I talk a lot about mental health, so I get a uh, shocking amount of people who talk about how much it's helped, um, how much it's helped their their mental health. I think it's kind of helpful for them because a lot of people see me as a as a positive, friendly, cheerful person who um, is never never sad. And I always I always like to make the point that I that I do. So I kind of hearken it to like the Robin Williams, the Chester Bennington. I think it's helpful for people to see someone who seems so happy be honest before it's too late. Um, so I don't know if that's true. That's just kind of like my interpretation of what mm -hmm. what people are feeling. Um, but yeah, people will send me pictures of them in the library. They'll send me pictures of their library card. They'll send me videos, pictures of their kids reading reading books um, in the library. Um, it just makes my day because that's also just like the part of what I'm trying to do. Is I'm trying to draw people 
back to the library and try to remind them of what the library is. Um, that the library, I'm, I'm, I always tell people, I'm always going to push books on you. I'm always going to encourage you to get a library card. But the point of the library is that it's the last free institution. It's a place that people would not, um, if we tried to create it today, it probably would not happen the way that libraries exist. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's very wild for me. I think my library coworkers love it, love it for me far more than I do. Um, <laughs> I love that sometimes people will come into my library and be like, it's you. And then they'll want to take pictures with me, which I've kind of gotten used to, but it's still just very, um, it's just very awkward for me. Um, but it also is just, it's just, it's just, been, it's been, it's been super cool. I love, I, I love the people I've gotten a chance to talk to. Um, and most, most importantly, I just love, I love the people are falling in love with the local library, um, all over again, that they're finding books. Um, even if books aren't their thing that they're finding out that the library does still have something for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's been my message the whole time is that the library is for you, even if you just need a place to get out of the cold, out of the heat, um, the library's there. And I mean, people always are like, oh, books aren't for me, but I'm like, you say that now, but I'm going to find <laughs> out what you're what your interest is and someday you're going to come back and all these books will have been waiting just There's for you. something for everyone truly <laughs> and I love that because there are so many people who say that yeah you know reading's not for me mm -hmm. you just haven't found that book you know everybody who does have that passion for reading we all have that book or that genre and it's out there it's it's just waiting for you to to open the pages if you will yeah, I, I don't think people realize like how much reading is a part of a part of their life. I mean, there's some there are some people who still like don't know how to read, but people forget like how much simple things like being able like even like we we've been we've been doing uh, we just did our summer reading challenge, um, and I've I've been telling people I'm like if you're at work if you're responding to emails I'll count that as reading. Oh, I love uh, that. Texting people back and forth counts. I'm like I love I, I I was another person who fell in love watching Squid Games a couple of years ago. I'm like to me like subtitles count as reading. You can't follow along. Like you have to be literate. You have to be able to read for uh, for for texting for reading sports blogs for reading um fan fiction um and for watching shows i mean there's a whole bunch of wonderful japanese shows um out there so you have to be able to or more unless you're unless you're incredible and you speak speak japanese um <laughs> you have to be able to read read the subtitles um so already spanish shows watching um whichever show it was that pedro pascal um took off in uh, darkos spanish in spanish shows you have to be able to read those subtitles and that's that's all reading that's all and I think people don't even don't even think of those kind of things when they think of reading. And I think that's a tangible way to think of reading. You know, sometimes it feels like such a big concept, but when you break it down for people and talk about the importance of it in kind of those general everyday terms, I think that's how you kind of connect it for people that, you know, yes, reading is important to be able to read the great novels and, and those kinds of things, but also it's important to read the back of your cereal box. It's important to be able to read your emails or do those things at work. And I so appreciate you kind of breaking that down and counting that towards that reading um, program, because again, it's tangible. It's something that, you know, you can kind of easily do and then realize just how impactful reading is in every aspect of life. Exactly. Incredible. So I, I mentioned before 
Um, no, let's see. Sorry, I'm looking at my questions. Where do I want to go next? We've bounced all over, which is what I love. I'm a journalist. That's my career. I'm taking the year off to be Miss South Dakota. Um, and so I, I always do that. I have a list of questions and I end up all over the place, never knowing where I go next. Um, I, I've got to know, you talked a little bit about it, but I think we can dive into it more. Where does your love of reading come from? Where exactly does that stem from for you? Um, so my love of reading comes comes from um, from my from my family. Um, so mainly mainly from my from my mom and then from my um, from my grandparents. Uh, my mom again, I was I was, I was homeschooled. Um, so my mom always read books to us aloud. Um, she always did all the voices. Voices you mentioned, um, Matilda. She read a bunch of Roald Dahl. Um, I remember her doing the voices of like Willy Wonka, oh, of the cool. BFG. Um, so just always, always reading aloud for a very long time. I think that's what is special to me. Like I remember her reading books aloud um, into my teenage years, like probably into fifteen. Like because so me and my me and my siblings sitting there in the homeschool classroom, um, and then she would just have she would just have us like do do I think like 50, 50 pushups each morning while she was reading reading books. Um, so all the way into my teenage years, she would just choose different books and just read aloud. So I think that's where it first first came from. It just being um, having books read aloud to me by my mom, um, and then just with my with my grandparents. Um, my grandpa is probably the uh, the biggest Stephen King fan um, in the world. I guess is like that's his favorite author. But then um, I know I know Harry Potter is pretty controversial these days. But I'm a I'm a I'm a Harry I'm a Harry Potter kid. I had the the Gryffindor the Hufflepuff clothing. Um, and even though I, I feel personal ways personal ways about about it, but I'll always cherish those memories um, with my grandma and grandpa just reading reading the Harry Potter books together. And then when the movie started out, we would just go we would go together with me and my family with my grandparents to go see the movies. Um, so again, just being a being a shy kid, even like having trouble connecting with your grandparents, that was just something super special to me that they read the same books that I did that we had conversations about it, and then we just connected through it. Um, and then me and my, me and my brother would always just, we were, I mean, I was, my whole family is, is really just, they're not so much anymore, but they were like as kids, we were all a bunch of bookworms. Um, me and my brother, instead of like playing, like when we would play video games, we would just turn the volume all the way down. Um, we would have, um, books, books on tape. Um, so we would just be listening to, um, the Chronicles of Narnia, um, on tape while we're playing Crash Bandicoot and Donkey Kong, uh, <laughs> pressing pause and then flipping the, flipping the tape over. Um, so yeah, so my family is the reason that I've, that I've, um, that I've always loved books. I love that. I think that kind of the, the bonding that you can get from books, you know, in whatever way, whether it's your mom reading to you, reading with your grandparents, listening to books on tape with your brother. I think that's incredible that you had that because I've learned and, and seen firsthand that for so many people, um, not, excuse me, I haven't seen firsthand for myself, but I've heard from other people that, you know, not a lot of people have that there, that is kind of a missing link for a lot of people because maybe their parents or their guardians couldn't read, you know, they weren't at a literacy level to be able to share that together, or they didn't have the time or whatever that may be, whatever the situation. So I think it's incredible that you did have that. And now you're able to use your platform to maybe be that inspiration for someone who maybe doesn't have it at home. I think that's incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, yeah. My, my my family they meant they meant the world, and I think that the the other aspect is which I also, in addition to the sheer library uh, library joy, 
that I'm honored to witness is the um, the mental the mental health aspect, which I think that's also what that even though the love came from the came from the family, I think just it was a general like reliance on books was mm-hmm. the secondary part. Just like um, I've had I've had anxiety since I was um, eight years eight years old. I didn't understand exactly what it was until later later on in life, just because I grew up when mental health was still very stigmatized. Um, but I just remember always like being again, like I've said, I think I've said multiple times now, I was very, very shy, very reserved, um, very worried child. Um, and books were always my, always my, always my, always my first friend. That's what I delved into. I always had a book, book with me. Um, one of my, uh, one of my dad's nicknames for me is Encyclopedia Brown, um, because he just, <laughs> I always read all the Encyclopedia Brown books and I would just like remember, remember every everything that I read about just I loved I loved it all so much uh, which kind of ties a little bit into like the representation conversation we had earlier that there wasn't like a lot of books with um people of color protagonists but mm-hmm. I still I still love the book just because I was able to connect connect with them um and that's good because there were there weren't that many people of color authors and illustrators at the time but I still loved Henry Huggins I love Ramona and Beezus. I loved everything Roald Dahl uh, Matilda and the BFG the Chronicles of Narnia, Encyclopedia Brown, The Great Brain. Um, I, I love sideways stories from Wayside School. Um, Holes was gifted to me by uh, by my great aunt. Mm. Um, always one of my that's why my, one of my cats named my one of my cats is named um, Kissing Cat Barlow. So even though like, even though I, I even though I didn't get those all those diverse books growing up, mm-hmm. uh, I still just fell I fell in love with everything I could get my hands on. Like I was I was truly determined to read every single book in the kids children section of my library. Um, <laughs> one just let me just be like oh I love these books these books are always here for me let's uh, let's keep on going mm-hmm. let's keep on adding to what's there for me. So really the books um, I hate, I hate to say it but books books save me from a very 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 early age. Let's get back into that topic of representation. Seeing yourself within the pages, as mentioned before, is is hugely impactful for people. And there are still so many people today who don't see themselves represented in books or maybe don't realize that there's more option for that. But how do you find it? And I actually was scrolling through your TikTok right before this interview, and I stumbled upon one where you were talking about um, books with African-American mermaids. And more than just the, the standard Little Mermaid, you know, all of these other books. So please talk more about that, the importance of having that representation physically within the pages of a book. What have you seen? Why is that something important that we now focus on that and elevate these voices and these stories? Well, I think, I think firstly, it's, it's, it's important just because those books are out there. I think like you, I think you saying that people don't realize it is a very, is very, very key that um, it's not that they're not out there. They're actually out there. They're, they're much more out there. My library recently did a study on like how many, like, how many on the we did a diversity audit of our collection just seeing like what all is, what is all on our shelves and we were like we weren't really shocked though like when you see the numbers you're shocked to see that it's still it's like for picture books it still is a lot of dinosaurs a lot of animals mm-hmm. um, which is okay I mean that's when kids love dinosaurs adults love dinosaurs um, trucks and that kind of thing but that means that it, it far outweighs the people of color represented in the picture books um, but for the last couple of years we've actively been been trying to buy more books that feature people of color that are by by um, by by people of color or um, are illustrated by people of color and there's there are so many now I think that's because there are people like you and I grew up without these books 
And now all these like brilliant authors, brilliant illustrators who never saw themselves were like, oh, well, I want to see myself. Why don't I just tell the story? Why don't I tell my story? Um, which is super cool is that now, even though even though it's not cool, even though it's not cool, they didn't get to see themselves. It's cool that, they, that they're not so jaded that they really are just like, oh, well, let's turn things around. Let me tell tell the story. And I think that's that's simply why it matters is that they deserve to have their stories told. We deserve to have our stories told. And that is the beauty of representation. I mean, when I was a children's librarian, I saw it countless times how much it meant for kids to see themselves on the cover of books. Um, even if it wasn't a picture book, simply just like a chapter book, um, just to see that one single picture, just to see kids that look like them. Um, and far off in the night, like, I mean, I mean, this is the world of um, banned books and restricting access. Mm -hmm. But so many times there were there were instances where, where um, I, I used to bring a suitcase full of books to schools. And when I would bring the books, there were like so many times where people saw a, um, a book, a book character on the cover who looked like their friends. And they would just be like, this looks like you. You have to read this book. Like, and I think that to me is the biggest picture of how important representation is, is that they saw their friend in the book and that they made that connection through literature. They were like, oh, this is for you. Um, or I think I recently shared a, um, a video on TikTok and Instagram about how kids wanted to use a, um, a book with a, um, with a, with a Muslim, Muslim girl character on it. And they wanted to use that book to befriend a kid who looked just like that person in their school. Um, they didn't know a single thing. I don't even think they read the synopsis of the book. <laughs> they simply saw someone who they had seen before in real life and they were like, oh, maybe I can read this book. Maybe it'll help me connect with that person. Um, and I think that's why it matters because, well, first it's just the kids are just so, um, they're so, they're so wonderful and that they're not as awful <laughs> as adults are, that they're just like, yeah, let's do this. Like they're like, they're like, oh, we don't we don't know what color it is like there's so many times where like I feel like I was the same kid who like when I when you did the whole Quran thing what skin color are you I didn't know I was black for a very long time because I thought I was brown just like the brown Quran and there's so many there's so many kids that have similar um similar stories so to me that's that's why representation matters in literature is that they deserve to see themselves they deserve to see to have their stories told um there is no, there is no agenda from these authors of color, from illustrators of color. Their only agenda is just to, just to show them, show them what they are, to make, the, to show them that it's okay, them being who they are, just to tell the story, just to love books, just like they did. They're not trying to, to, uh, to raise up little tiny, tiny warriors, unless you just want some library bookish warriors. Going <laughs> Which, hey, that sounds cool. <laughs> for books is just probably the most un, unnewsworthy as a journalist. I'm sure it's probably the most unnewsworthy war you'd ever cover, but yeah, I think, yeah, representation to me is just, it's just beautiful. And people always wonder about like, about, um, I bring it up because people sometimes are like, oh, what about the other kids? Like, that's not fair to take all their books. And it's just like, honestly, they don't really, they don't really care. They think it's 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 awesome that their friends get to see them, and they're like, "We're going to read the books too." Sounds great. There are other characters in the book who look who look like us too. We can't wait. Yes, and I think that's a huge piece of representation of as well. Is is maybe it's not that you're seeing yourself within the book, but you're experiencing someone or something else you're experiencing a different culture you're experiencing a different viewpoint and you specifically brought up 
restricting access and access is a huge piece of my my platform my community service for the year because i believe that restricting that access like you brought up is so hurtful to our future because we are we're taking away people's ability to see themselves within the pages we're taking away somebody's ability to learn about new concepts new ideas new people new places so i i want to dive a little bit into that access piece Talk a little bit about your perspective and maybe the perspective, especially as a librarian, as someone of color trying to share stories and share these ideas. What is what is the negative consequence? I, I can't see that there is a positive. What is the negative consequence of restricting access to books? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. There, to, to me, there is there is no positive. I mean, I for me, I think... I think the hardest part about being a public librarian for me is that not the hardest part, but we we do provide something for everybody. Like there's so many people I work with who like love the quote that like there's something that's gonna make everybody mad on library <laughs> on library bookshelves, which is true. I mean, there's there are books I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan of, um, mm-hmm. but but yeah, but I mean, but everyone but everyone deserves to be able to read read the books that they want to want to read. That's the point of a library is to, is to provide access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to the books, um, but I but I am a strong proponent of um, for especially for kids that um, caregivers should have should be able to play play a role in what their kids what their kids read. Sure. Um, however, that doesn't that doesn't mean that you should ban books. I'm very much like you should never ban books because mm-hmm. again, leave it up leave it up to the caregiver, the mom, the dad, the aunt, the uncle, the grandma, grandpa, the family friend, whomever it may be. If they're like, oh, my kid's not ready for this, um, that's fine. Probably you're probably your chances are your kid probably is ready for it, but that is Even that they're is, not ready. <laughs> yeah, that's between that's, that's between you and them. But when you get into banning restricting access, that means another child who is ready can't read it because you you've um, you've made such a such a fuss about it. Um, and I think that is the hard part is that is the people who um, are responding these um, the school administrators, the board of supervisors for libraries government officials um either they themselves have opinions that they shouldn't be having or they just caved too much to the pressure to the very loud to the very loud voices um i think that's something that's like a correlation to social media is that it's very easy to dwell on the voices of the trolls as, as opposed to the thousands of people who are applauding you you could just you can see those thousands of um positive comments in that one negative one you're like ah that one stings that's the only one i can think about um, and banned books are the same thing. There can be there could be a thousand people who say, "I love this book. This book is perfect. Everybody should read it." And there's one one caregiver who's like, "I don't like this book. My kid should not be reading this book. I don't think any other kid should be reading it." Um, and the people in charge are like, "Oh no, we don't like this. They're very loud. They're they're stirring up trouble. They're getting attention. We have to put a stop to this." Um, we have to worry about the optics. Let's stop it. Um, but that sets so many people that set, that sets so many people back. That's how. That's why. That's honestly why we have to say representation matter matters so often is because of the book ban, because of the restricting access, um, mm-hmm. because people don't look at the big picture. They don't look at how kids just want to see themselves. They just want to have their story um, be told. It's it's totally again. It's totally fine. I've been on various committees where some people are like, "Oh, let's just put a sticker on it that says this book has this content." 
Um, which even that I'm like, that's not necessarily necessary, but I think that's like a worst case result is just to say, okay, that's fine. Let's acknowledge that some people have a problem with this book. Here's a sticker explaining why they have it. Um, mm. But we shouldn't be removing the books because oftentimes they're there. Um, and then it gets to a deeper level where it is so often that people just don't even read the books that they're asking for books to be restricted. The books should be removed access. It's just they're just showing all they're just revealing their fear. Um, they're, they're revealing their biases. Um, I think a great example is the book um, New Kid. New Kid by Jerry Craft, um, a graphic novel. Um, as far as I can, as as far as I've been able to tell from my research into that book, um, the sole reason that that book was banned restricted is because people saw a illustrated black kid on the cover, saw New Kid, not not even graffiti style, but just a different font style, and I I believe they just got worried about what it could be about, and they asked for it to be banned. Um, I've, I've read it. It is, it is simply about a new, a new kid in the school, um, who happens to be black. So some of the experiments are geared towards what happens as a new, new black kid in a school. Um, and it's just, it's just because people jumped to conclusions. Um, mm -hmm. sometimes they don't, they themselves don't jump to straight conclusions. They base it off of what other people say and they get afraid that way but that's what we need to need to stop um, we need to focus on what we talked about earlier about allowing kids to see themselves see friends see the see the stories be told that ours is driven to be told um so that we can just focus on the sheer book joy that exists um that we don't need to worry about banning about banning books about restricting access um if you think the kids aren't ready for a book again have that conversation with you and your kids um, if a teacher assigns assigns a book that you're not in favor of, um, I'm not a teacher, but I know teachers, and I'm sure many of them would be like, totally understand. That might be a good point. Let's find a separate project um, for your kid. That's mm -hmm. a fair point. Um, just like every every kid's not on the same on the same on the same level. So yeah, I have uh, I have like, a lot of a lot of thoughts. <laughs> about uh, book book bans mm -hmm. and access to book but yeah i just yeah i don't see any um any positives to it just because the negatives are so outweighing the positive doesn't exist but the negatives are just so mm -hmm. so uh, so so loud just because all 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 book bans and then restricting nexus does is take away take away hope um it makes kids think that there's something wrong with the books when there's nothing wrong with them it's just people not knowing people, not reading that maybe if people read the books, they'd be like, Oh, oops, I'm so sorry. And we'll accept their apologies and welcome it, welcome them to the book joy team. Yes. I love that. The book joy team. And I so appreciate talking about kind of that difference, uh, you know, book banning. I agree. I don't see a positive. I see that as a negative and, and you have the right to, you know, again, have a child maybe not read a book because maybe they're not ready for it or whatever the reason may be. And that's okay. I think that's, I think that's an honorable thing to maybe have that discussion between you and your child. But yeah, to take away that access from everyone, to put kind of that negative stamp on a book, just because, you know, maybe it's something that you're uncomfortable with, which I think is what we see a lot when we see these book bans, is that it's something that makes someone uncomfortable. And that's why they say, 
take it away for everyone. And that's the negative is just removing that book completely, removing it from the space of anybody being able to access it and understand what's within those pages. So I I truly appreciate that. And I love there at the end where you said, you know, but you're still welcome to come into come back. You know, even if you do take that time to understand a book or you do, you know, maybe you don't want your child or the person that you are giving care to to read a book, you're still welcome. You're still welcome in this community of book lovers. Yes. Yeah. No, it's it, I think it's it's so it's so it's so very simple. I think it's even I think a, a, not the best connection piece, but I think it just like a lot of the schools um organize the books by AR, the accelerated uh, accelerator reader level. Mm-hmm. Um, public li- public libraries don't don't do that. Like we have, we have people we have people come in the library and like, can you help me find 3.2, 3.2 book? <laughs> and I'm like, I can try my best, but I don't know what the books the books are because we don't do we don't do that here. Because, well and one because we recognize that people are at are at different different levels of mm-hmm. where they're at. Um just differently just i think it's just it's the equitable thing to do i think that's i think that's what book book banning and restricted access gets into is the as the equity factor it's that um books are books are equitable for all people um and when you start removing removing when you start restricting access when you start banning books you're going against the equity that books have created for centuries and that's what we need to turn back to yes I snaps snaps for that (laughs) you through your social media and even through our conversation you have talked so much about library kids and these children who do come into the library and have this joy that they find with coming through those doors and accessing books and accessing what the library has to offer but there are also so many people that don't have that joy or maybe they don't have access to a public library I'm from South Dakota and, you know, I grew up, my hometown did have a public library, but so many of the surrounding towns didn't. And from my research, it looks like, you know, less than 15% of South Dakota towns, because we're such a rural state, don't have access to a public library. How do we inspire that next generation of readers? How do we sustain that passion for years to come? How do we do that? What's, what's, the step that we take as book lovers. That's it's a, it's such a complicated question. I think that's also like part of like what I'm doing um, with this odd social media presence that I seem <laughs> seem to have is like trying to show the importance um, of libraries. Like I I get some people like when I when I talk about like the video games that my library has, the musical instruments, um, the board games, the various things that my library is very privileged to have. Um, we're not a we're not a rich library system, but we are. Um, we are decently funded because we have a community that loves a library. Um, and I think that's what I'm trying to, sh- to show other people. I'm not trying to rub it in people's faces. There's so many li- there's so many places I see that I've been told of and that I've known for years that don't have a library system, either because their county just doesn't have much, much money in general, mm-hmm. um, or they unfortunately don't divert many funds to, um, to public libraries. Um, and I think that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to show people the importance of libraries so that they will keep on talking about the public library because that's the only way the public libraries will flourish um, and rise up in places where they were either taken down or never existed is from the community. Like I think when people, whenever people comment like, oh, my library only has movies, they only have this. I'm always like, oh, we'll contact your, your board of supervisors, your county, your city, 
your state officials and tell them how important the library is, how important the library would be to you because community impact is a big deal, especially for libraries. Like the more you talk about the library, the more you're like, I need a library. Like they, they, they have to listen to you. Like that's what they're in office to do mm -hmm. um, is to listen to you, especially for something like the library that really should, there's been an institution for, for centuries that it, that it should exist. So I think that's like the first thing that, that book lovers, that bookworms, that library kids years ago, library kids today who happen to be library adults, that's the thing that you could do is you can talk to the county, the city, the state, to um, political figures and tell them how important the library is, um, send messages, letters of support to other to other libraries, to other library workers, um, and just and just support books. I think if you if you don't have a local public library, I would I would support your local local school library, um, school library, and they're probably as much as as much as much as I know how hard public library library workers work. Um, I'm not talking about myself at all. I'm talking about my my coworkers and all the other amazing people. Um, school librarians, school library media techs work exceptionally hard um, for for what they for what they do just to get the word out and then just to provide books and information to the students and to support the teachers. So I'm so proud of all the work that, that they're able to do. I'm, I'm shocked. Um, there have been people who've asked me to switch to school libraries, um, <laughs> and I've absolutely not, because they do far too much. I mm. like doing what I'm doing. <laughs> with, <laughs> it's, it's hard enough some days. Um, mm. So yeah, I think, that, I think that's what you support. If you, if you're, if you don't have, have a public library, contact county political, political figures, Keep on telling them, bother them relentlessly about it. Mm -hmm. Support school school libraries, um, and even even support support bookstores. There's, I mean, I mean, I'm always like my message about the library is that it's is that it's, is that it's is that it's free. That's huge. That's huge to me. Um, but there's nothing wrong with buying books. There's so many library people who have shelves and shelves shelves of books. Um, there are bookstores that are owned by people of color to further our our conversation to also promote those books because that's. The reason that those that's 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 those pers that's those people's job is mm. to tell tell our stories. So someone has to buy those books. Um, the public library does buy the books, so you're also supporting them while supporting us. Uh, <laughs> so there's there's so many there's so many things you could do, but I think those are like the most like the most impactful things that you could do to keep but to keep the library to keep the books going on and on, especially in places who unfortunately don't have them there quite yet. Um, and I'm also continuing to try to look to look for things. Um, there are people who have asked me to do various um, like GoFundMe's and different things for different people. Um, I haven't pursued it, pursued that kind of thing quite yet, but I'm trying to work with different people to see how we can might be able to start something nationwide um, mm -hmm. to help with those kind of causes and those initiatives. Because um, it is it is important for me to see um, libraries continue to flourish. Well, this library adult, which I am now using that as like a hashtag <laughs> or something on everything, um, this library adult is excited to see what you do with this platform. You know, I know that you said that maybe this isn't something you expected or, you know, maybe isn't something that you even thought would happen, but you do have this incredible platform and, and you're very well spoken about your passion for literacy and I, I think it's, I think that's just going to continue to grow, whether you're ready for it or not. So I'm <laughs> excited to see that and to support, you know, what comes next for you. We have talked about 
some kind of deep topics, you know, when we talk about book banning and um, we talk about representation. Another deep topic, a big question, Michael, what is your favorite book? <laughs> People always ask me that. It is, um, it is, it is tattooed on me. My favorite book is, um, is where the wild things are. Oh. Um, I'm, I'm a typical library person. I say that because it's, it's people always ask that. I'm like, I'm gonna have to have an answer. Um, I'm a typical book book person. I can't. I, I've never. I'm, I'm about to do it right now. I can, I can never name, name just one book. I, I talked about all of them earlier, the sideways stories. But that's the, yeah, that's my, that's my favorite tattoo. Besides having the library card tattoo, the, uh, the Richard Scary apple car the pivot car um i basically this is just my i call this my readers readers advisory arm is i just am like oh someone can just pick pick something off of this arm and i'll find it in the library um but i love i love books by kelly yang um i consider kelly yang kelly yang uh, one of my best friends even though she if she doesn't feel the same way um, <laughs> <laughs> i love i love i love front desk um it's a it's a it's a deep book um but uh, i'm glad my mom died by jeanette mccurdy um, is a is a brilliant is a brilliant book, um, especially if you listen to it on audiobook. Um, do Libby with your library card. <laughs> um, Jeanette McCurdy narrates narrates her own book. Um, Iron Iron Widow by Sharon J. Zhao is also a phenomenal book. Um, I reread The Hobbit The Hobbit recently. Um, yeah, there's just there's far too many books in the world. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you liked if you liked Holes if you like Wayside School. Um, uh, there's actually a sequel to Holes um, called Small Steps, um, which I think if Lewis Sacker had not written Holes, um, Small Steps would actually be almost a better book than Holes. Um, Small Steps is a story of um, of Armpit after they leave Camp Green Lake. Huh. Well, I'm going to have to look that one up. I didn't know that there was another one. Yeah. The Holes, you know, it, it's a sensation. Everybody loves it. It um, is. I, I am obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed that you have um, where the wild things are tattooed on your arm and the library card. That's incredible. I think that's really cool. I, I love the little trail of of library related tattoos. I um I might actually be in California in a couple of weeks, and I I might have to try to come to the library because I won't be too far away. I would love Please. to get to meet you in person, and I'm so thankful for this conversation. I think it's been incredible, and it could go on and on. I could ask a million questions. <laughs> But, you know, we can only ask listeners to listen for so long before they've probably got to do something else. Is there anything that you'd like to leave us with? Anything that you think we might have missed talking about? Anything that maybe sparked something in your mind that you think my listeners need to hear? Um, I think we pretty much talked about it. I think the message that I always try to leave people with is that the library, uh, we, we talked about earlier, I think I always like to remind people that the library always, always will be there. Um, for you, if it's not now, at some point in your life, you're going to need to need a library. Um, and it doesn't matter how long you've been gone from the library. Library people are always excited to see you come come through those doors. Um, I, I also like to tell people if they've a lot of people have had bad experiences with the library, um, and I always tell people to get your try to give the library a second chance. Mm-hmm. Um, library, a lot of people call librarians um, superheroes, but we're, we're regular people. Um, library people have bad days. Um, if you felt mistreated by a library person, I guarantee you, they did not. They did not intend for that. Um, there's a 99% chance that that person that mistreated you has been overthinking about it for years and years and years, and can't wait for you to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the library is a place where where you'll always you always belong, just as you are. Um, the library people are proud of you, uh, and I hope everybody 
gets a gets a library card or at least goes and visits their local library. I think we can get you a, a superhero cape, Michael. I, I think you can earn one. Um, really quickly, because I, I have to let everybody know, how do we find you on social media? I I am on social media everywhere. The only place it's hard for me to find, hard to find me is on Facebook. Um, but everywhere else, I am under um, Michael3TS, um, which if you've always wondered what that is stands for, people ask me why you don't have a library in your name. Uh, my username is my first and last name, Michael3. My name is Michael Threets. Michael, no, number three, T-S. M-Y-C-H-A-L-Y, the number three, T as in Tango, S as in Sam is where I can be found chronically online everywhere on social media. Perfect. Now everybody close the podcast app and go follow Michael. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for the page turners podcast. Make sure that you keep an eye out for the next season. And until then, leave a review, share with a friend, and check us out on social media at at MissAmericaSD to keep up with all things literacy and falling in love with reading. I'll catch you next time.